If you would all stand for the reading of God's holy word, we're reading from 1 Peter. We're in chapter 4, and reading the first 11 verses. Hear now the written word of our God. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. As you may have noted, we're in a very practical section of 1 Peter. Peter is giving some clear instructions about living the Christian life, and we also read this morning from Paul's letter to the Philippians, and there are some very practical instructions. So how's the grumbling going? How are you doing as far as serving one another? In short, how are you doing living the Christian life? Is it, is it as easy as you thought it might be or maybe a little more challenging? It's, it's not just like being a, a Gentile, the term Peter uses. It's not just like being an unbeliever. It's different. And you might have thought it's just a little bit different than being an unbeliever, but in fact, it's enormously different. The contrast that Peter makes here is either you're following the Gentiles living as they do according to their human passions, so self-centered, self-focused, or you're following God's will, a will that comes from outside of you, a will that is not your own initially, but as you grow in grace and in Christ becomes your desire and your will. And that leads to a huge contrast, so much so that when the Gentiles, the unbelievers, see you living out a godly life, They will malign you. They will mock you. They will cause suffering in your life. And that's the challenge for living out the Christian life then. It's not just a little bit different than your unbelieving friend or neighbor or family member. It's completely different. 
And so I want us today to look at this passage, actually just two verses, to focus in on what Peter is saying about the particularity of living the Christian life. And we can't cover everything that he's saying here, but let's just sort of rehearse some of these verses where we're to be self-controlled, sober-minded. The focused Christian life is is a serious business. Sober-mindedness is required. Verse 8 says, we are to love one another. I hope that's obvious. We are to love one another because love covers over a multitude of sins. When your brother or sister sins against you, you love them so much, you don't bring it up, you don't make an issue out of it, you just cover it over with love. You're to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. There's that again. Now, we could stop right there, draw the line, and say, let's just apply this. Let's spend some time repenting of our failure to do just that and asking the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive our failures in these categories and say, Lord, sanctify me more wholly. Help me in these things. But I want us to focus on verses 10 and 11. Look at those with me. 10 and 11 talk about a sort of universal application of the Christian life in just two really small categories. He speaks about speaking the oracles of God and serving by the strength that God supplies. Speaking, serving. Alliteration, and I didn't even have to do it. Peter did. S and S. Speaking and serving. And that's a summary of the Christian life. It's very simple. We are to be stewards of the grace that God gives us as He gives gifts in the life of the church. We are to use those gifts and those two broad categories, which have many ways of working out, speaking and serving. And that's something you can take home in your mind. Just what does it mean to speak the oracles of God? What does it mean to serve as a follower of Jesus Christ? So what's Peter saying here? Well, I've given you sort of a title heading The gifts that God supplies are to be used in the body of Christ primarily for the glory of God. The gifts that God supplies are to be used in the body of Christ for the glory of God. And the way we're going to break that out is very simple. We're talking about gifts that God gives. Now, gifts is one of those terms in the New Testament that is used in a variety of ways. You know the apostolic gifts that were given for the founding of the church just for a time, primarily to the apostles and those who lived in that time. And and then there are spiritual gifts that go broadly to the whole church because we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit of the living God, and, and those are many and varied. In Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, we read about the gifts of teaching, exhortation, giving, that's a gift, leading, wisdom, faith. And then you have the sort of similar but slightly different fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. These are all things that God gives to His children, gifts. And the source of all those gifts is where we're going to start. Where is the source? God. Point one, very simple. Notice that it says God's varied gifts, which means that you and you and you and you and you have different gifts. They're not the same. 
no such thing as cookie-cutter Christians. So God gives gifts variously to His children, and we respond to that and say, yes, but I was born with these gifts. Well, where did they come from? What's the source? Peter says it's God. Well, but I developed that gift, the, the actual outworking of that gift. I've practiced for years and years. Think of our musicians. Uh, they're giving the gift and ability to be able to lead in music, and they've spent hours and hours practicing that gift so that they can stand up and lead in the church. Yes, but where does that ability even to develop those gifts come from? What about the providential outworking of uh, leading a person to be able to have the time, the money, uh, to work and develop a musical gift? All of God's hand. Here's two Scripture verses. Ecclesiastes 5.19. To everyone whom God has given riches and wealth of any kind, not just material, and given him the power to eat of it and receive his heritage and rejoice in his labor, this is all the gift of God. In other words, whatever you have, whoever you are, whatever gifting is yours, however you want to define a gift, it all comes from God. James says it most plainly, James 1.17, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of light with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. Everything is a gift of God. Peter's talking here about two specific categories of gifts, but do you think about yourself that way? All that I am, all that I have, all my talents, all my abilities, my intellect, my good looks or not, everything that I am is a gift of God and varied so that I'm different than everyone else. And all of those gifts being given to me and developed by God's grace in my life are to be used, to anticipate the next point, for the building up of His church. But first and foremost, they come from God. And that means, of course, two things. Number one, there's no room for pride because you didn't make up these gifts. You didn't give them to yourself. They come from God. And there's no reason or room for jealousy because God, who is all-wise, all-knowing, all-loving, perfect in every way, has designated that your particular gifts are yours, and He knows best. And so, the first point is very, very simple and hopefully not complicated, but do you believe that? Do you believe that all that you are and all that you have is a gift of God? That's Peter's first point, the varied grace of God. It's, it's given to you not because you deserve it, it's grace, and it's given to you because God is gracious. He supplies it. Now, the second category is a little more complicated, three subpoints. Because God gives gifts to His church, because He gives gifts to His children, there are three purposes. And the first is very simple as well. The first purpose of God giving you gifts is so that you would be a good steward of those gifts. If you will, He's training you to know how to use the gifts He's given you. Now, that's different than most gifts that you receive. Let's say it's your birthday, and I know that, so I, being very wealthy and magnanimous, give you a bar of chocolate. Now, that's, that's quite a gift. It's nice chocolate. I bought Belgian chocolate. And I give you that gift, and when I 
give it to you, it's no longer mine, it's yours. And you can eat it immediately, you can share it with a friend, you can save it for later. It's been given to you, that's a normal way of receiving a gift, and it's yours. But God's gifts are slightly different than that. He gives you gifts, but you are a steward of those gifts, says Peter. A good steward. That means you don't really own the gift. It's been entrusted to you to care for, to use. A steward of a gift is someone who has been given something, in most cases, by their master or lord or overseer, and says, you take care of this for a while. It's yours, but it's really still mine. And if God is the giver of all good gifts, that makes sense because He's Lord of all. You remember the story in Matthew 25? The master has three stewards in his household, and he gives them various gifts. He says, here's five talents, here's two talents, here's one talent. A a talent was a weight, a unit of money measurement, but it's huge. A talent is variously calculated, but it was about 20 years of a day laborer's salary. So it $12 an hour, that's $500,000. So here, steward number one, you get five talents. Number two, you get two. Number one, you get one. And you remember what they did. The guy who had five developed it into five. The guy who had two developed it into two. The guy who was given one buried it in the ground. Master comes back. He's thrilled to death with the first two, blesses them and thanks them, but is not at all pleased with the man who buried his talent. Now, we use that word talent in a different way. It's not a unit of money. It's an ability. And so, the parable works wonderfully in that sense. Because you see, as a steward of the gifts of God, which include all of your talents, all of your abilities, everything that you are, all that you have, when God has given them to you, they are to be used as a good steward. And so, use is the key word. Let's say instead of on your birthday giving you a chocolate bar, I learn that you are walking to work every day or you're dependent upon your neighbor to drive you. And I say, that's ridiculous. You have a long way to go. Sometimes it rains. You can't walk. Your neighbor's inconsistent. So I raise some funds and I present you with a car, a little better than a chocolate bar. And I drive that car over to your house on your birthday and say, here, I know you need this. Here's a gift. Use it so you can get to work. A week later, I call you up and I say, hey, how's the car running? And you say, running? I said, yes, I gave you the car so you could get to work every day. What's going on? You say, it was such a nice car. It was so clean and neat. It's parked there in the driveway, and every day I go out and look at it, and I say, wow, what a great gift. I said, no, I gave it to you to use. Be a good steward of the gift that I gave you. And that's what God is saying to us through 1 Peter here. He says, I've given you these gifts of various kinds, and are you using them? That's what a steward is entrusted gifts for, to use, not bury it in the ground. We have to be asking ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ then, what are my gifts And am I using them for him in his church?
Maybe there's some things we need to repent of. Because you see, using gifts requires sacrifice, time, effort. Maybe there's some things that we've sort of buried in the ground. It's, it's a gift, but it's costly. Well, that's the first point. Let's move on. The gifts that God supplies are used in the body, used, used in the body of Christ. And that's that we're using them, but in the body of Christ to serve one another. And there's the emphasis. A good steward uses them for others. The emphasis in this passage is that these gifts are being used in the church, one another, one another, one another, three times. And so the gifts that God gives you are to be used, yes, clearly, but in the body of Christ, not exclusively, but primarily. And again, that's different than a normal gift. Your chocolate bar was for you, but you could share it. Your car is for you, but so you can get to work, so that you can do other things and minister in the body of Christ. Those are illustrations. The point is simply this. The gifts that God has given you, particularly of speaking and serving, are for the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not for you. They're not so that you receive praise. They're not so people say, wow, aren't you great? all the things that you do. They're to be used in the body. It's just like in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. The gifts were given to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And so the two examples that are being used here, speaking and serving, and you'll notice, I hope, that they are for everybody. You know, we speak of speaking and serving as primary gifts in the church, and we may well just think of the leadership. In fact, the two primary offices that are given in the church are speaking and serving offices. What do the elders do? Well, they are to speak the Word. They are preachers and teachers in the church. They are leaders. They are Word-based ministry. What do the deacons do? The very name deacon comes from the word to serve, and they are to serve, be servants in the church. And you might be thinking, well, that's what Peter's talking about here. The speakers and the servers in their official offices, those are the ones who do that. But that's not at all what he said. He's addressing the whole congregation here, everyone, all of us. So what do the gifts of speaking and serving look like in the church of Jesus Christ. Well, speaking, as he says, the oracles of God. That's a fancy way of just saying the Word of God. How do you, as the average person in a church, speak the Word of God? You're not all called to preach. You're not all called to teach. But you are all called to know the living, vital Word of God. You are to be students of the Word, studiers of the Word, hearers of the Word, followers of the Word, word Word-based, Word-saturated people, because it's the Word of God that trains us how to think in our minds and how to act with our lives. We are to be so Bible-based that if they stick a pin in your skin, you would bleed Bible. 
that if someone asks you a question, the first thing that comes to your mind is a biblical phrase or at least a biblical idea. That when you order your life or think about your day or train your children or work at work, you're thinking in biblical categories. And so when it comes time to speak then, you're biblical. Just listen to a couple of exhortations we find in the Word. The Bible says to correct and reprove one another in the body of Christ. Not just the leadership, all of us. What would you correct them with? The Word of God. Not your opinion, not some worldly idea, but the Word of God. Exhort one another daily. All of us. What do you exhort with? The Word of God. Encourage one another. Build each other up. With what? The Word of God. The way in which we speak to one another biblically is an encouragement, an upbuilding, sometimes a corrective to each other as we live out the Christian life together in the church. And that's what Peter's calling these people to do. It's not just the job of the elders. It's the duty of every single Christian to every other Christian. The gifts of God are given to the church for use in the church, and therefore you have to be biblically minded. Now, the interesting thing is, pretty obvious in every culture, you should listen before you speak, right? Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we don't do it very well. So what are we listening to? We're listening to the Word of God. We're being exhorted by the Word of God, even right now, to tell us how to think and what to do so that when it comes our turn to speak, we've already been saturated or fed with the Word. And thus the concept that every Christian is growing in his understanding of the Word. He's listening to the Word. He's under the teaching of the Word. He's been instructed by the Word so that when his brother or sister has need of it, he can speak the Word into their life. It's a very simple category, and you can walk out of here just remembering that. I am to speak the Word of God in the church. It's my calling. It's my duty. Now, the second category is just as helpful. We are to serve, and this is probably a little bit broader because you can put an awful lot of things in that suitcase. What is service? Well, there are multitudes of kinds of ways to serve in the church of Jesus Christ. I mentioned the musicians, wonderful, upfront service. How about the behind-the-scenes service? How about the people who prepare behind the scenes so that the worship service is orderly and you have a bulletin? How about the people who set up the chairs and take them down? How about the people who take meals one to another, who serve with the children? How about those who quietly go around in the body of Christ, finding out what the needs are and meeting those needs? All of those are kinds of service. Hospitality is mentioned in this text. When was the last time you had someone over to your home? How do you show hospitality without grumbling? Now, these are kinds of service in the body of Christ. There are many, many more. Often mentioned is finances. Now, a particular thing that the Lord God has blessed, the gift that God has given to the North America church, believe it or not, is money. If you travel around the world and see the church of Jesus Christ, you'll find that we are a very, very wealthy church. I work in West Africa. 
the church there is on the other end of the spectrum. Very, very, very poor. I work in a country that's the 10th poorest country in the world. And there, what the need is, is for the church broadly to help supply the needs of our brothers and sisters there. So as you're thinking about serving in the church, don't just think mercy, think the church. And so what can we do as the church of Jesus Christ, mercy, but part of the global church, to serve the needs of the church around the world? Well, the needs are phenomenal. And if you don't know of any needs, open your eyes. Today, the resources we have to discover what's happening around the world in the church are wonderful. And the needs of the church are many. And God has blessed you with a particular set of gifts that are to be used as a good steward in the body of Christ. What are you doing? Are you speaking biblically? Are you serving biblically? Are you finding ways to minister? Are you using the gifts that God has given to you? I don't know what they are. And if you don't know what your gifts are, talk to your brothers and sisters who know you well. They'll tell you. But the admonition of Peter is so very, very basic. And this is costly. To give a gift that has been given to you as a steward is different than holding on to the gift that you think might really belong to you. God has given you gifts, individual gifts, particular gifts, as a church and as an individual person and as a family to be used in the body of Christ. Why? So He glorifies you? No, so you glorify Him. Just one last thought before we leave this point. As someone who has recently retired, I hang out now with retired people. And one of the things I hear is, I'm retired now, I don't work. And it would be easy as a Christian to think, when I reach retirement in the workaday world, that my Christian life also somehow goes into retirement. So therefore, I no longer need to speak the word to my brothers and sisters. I no longer need to serve, the, serve in the church of Jesus Christ. I'm retired. It's actually quite the contrary. If you're no longer needing to work to provide food on your table or a, or a table or a house, you have tremendous opportunity to serve and to speak the Word of God. You've been trained, you've grown in grace, you've reached an age of maturity, hopefully, and you are now most able to be used in the church of Jesus Christ with the gifts that God has given you to build up the body of Christ in a way you never could before. Now you have the time, now you have the resources, now maybe not so much energy, but you're able. There's a whole organization now in various mission organizations to try to develop the work and skills of these people who have spent their years working in the workforce to go out to other countries as ambassadors of whatever their skill level was and to take the gospel there. Don't think that you reach a certain age of life and you put all these things on hold. You are to continue to speak the oracles of God, to serve without grumbling in the way that God wants to use you. Why? Because that's why He gave you the gift. 
And all of it, as Peter points us, is for the glory of God. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Your gift is not your own. It comes to you from God. The power to do this is not your own. Notice he says, serve by the strength that God supplies. It's not your talent. It's not your ability. It's been given to you as a steward, and it's not for your glory. It's for Christ. You see, as you work in the church serving by preaching, teaching, giving the Word of God, ministering a comforting word to someone, as you work by serving in very high and well-seen ways or very quiet, backward ways, in all of those, you're building up the church of Jesus Christ. And as the church of Jesus Christ is built and strengthened, so Christ gets the glory. And more than that, when the world, which is living in their pagan ways, as Peter describes here, a flood of debauchery, as they're living very self-centered, self-focused lives, they're noticing that the church of Jesus Christ is not. That instead of being self-focused and self-centered and doing the things they want, the church is serving one another, loving one another, sacrificing one, for one another, caring for one another, giving to one another, and it's very, very distinctively different. And as the world sees the church doing that, they were going to ask you, why do you act and live that way? Why do you give of your time, your energy so sacrificially? Why are you serving these people who you don't really know that well? Why are you sending funds around the world? Why are you doing these things? And you say this. You say, I was wandering, and Jesus Christ brought me to himself. And he opened my eyes to see that the world is not what I thought it was. It's not all about me. It's about him. And he not only made the heavens and the earth, but when mankind made in his image fell into sin, he sent the Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to rescue us from ourselves. And he bought me with his own precious blood, and now I belong to him and not me. And my whole life is dedicated to serving him because he forgave me of my sins. He set me on the rock, which is himself, Jesus Christ. He established a new song in my heart. He gave me new eyes to see, a new heart to love. He's transformed me, and he's making me more and more into his own image. And I will spend eternity with him, and all of my sins are forgiven. And so I live not for myself, but for him. And the world will not understand that. But Christ will get the glory. Go home and reread these verses. It's amazing. He, he's starting with this living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, and he ends the verse with this glorious doxology. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter can't focus on the sin and the wretchedness of the world. He focuses on Christ because that's who he serves. Remember who this author is. Peter, the dirty, smelly fisherman, transformed by Jesus Christ, transformed by the gospel, brought into that sweet fellowship of the twelve, made an apostle, eventually going to die for the faith, history says. This is the one who is telling us 
to speak the oracles of God to one another, to serve one another as befits a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? So that you get the pat on the back and your name in the bulletin? No. So that the glory goes to Christ who saved you. And know that fully, the more you do this, the more the world will malign you and the more you will suffer. But the calling of a Christian is not for a life of ease, but a life of sacrifice. Not a life that is self-fulfilling, but Christ-fulfilling. And the more you pursue Christ and His glory in the church by service and speaking the truth, the more Christ will be glorified and the more fulfilled your life will be. So it's a very simple message. God gives gifts. You have them, I have them. Yours are different than mine. And those gifts were given to you as a steward to use in the church for the glory of Jesus Christ. The question is very simple then. What are my gifts? And am I using them for the glory of Christ? And let the Holy Spirit convict you. Let Him lead you. Go to your elders. Go to your deacons. Say, how can I help? What can I do? Give me a a task. Let me serve our Lord and Savior with you. And the more that the people of mercy are doing that in mercy, and the more that you're doing that out in the world, the more the light of Jesus Christ will shine forth from this church. And the more that Jesus will get the glory. And Peter says that's the goal, isn't it? That Christ will receive the glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, though you have redeemed us by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, we remain in so many ways those who are captured by ourselves. We've worked hard. We want ease. We've labored for years. We want rest. We're struggling to raise our families, to train our children, to uh, do what we're called to do out in the world, and we have so little time. We're burdened by the cares of this world. And we often think that following Christ is just one more thing, too hard. Lord, transform our thinking and help us to understand what it means to belong to you, to be your servants, to be your stewards. May we see that the gifts that you give us are not for our own use primarily, but for you. Train us in these things, Lord. Transform us by your grace. Enable us us, as individuals and as a church to uh, be a light to the world around us as we shine forth the love of Christ in our lives and as we care for one another. And may we never forget, Lord, that all of this is that you would shine more glorious, that the work of Jesus Christ in our souls would be seen to be what it is, grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy, all for your glory. Do this, we ask, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.